0: We're in Matthew 21 and uh we're going to talk about Jesus is going to cleanse the temple and um we we just talked about prior to that is is uh, entrance into the city and um people crying hosanna and you know just the praise and and laying out the the coats the cloaks the the palm leaves as he rides in on a donkey. We talked about the significance of riding in on a donkey. Uh, as a king of peace as opposed to riding in on a white horse, which was really what the Jews were looking for. They were looking for this guy that was going to come in and clean house the Romans, but not come in and clean the temple. So this is a whole lot of, hey, wait, this is not what we expected. And Jesus uh, was clearly on God's plan and not our plan. So uh, 12, uh, 21, 12 through 17, Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it's written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you not never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you. We thank you for... The reading of your word today, and just pray your blessings on it, Father. Uh, just engrave it in our hearts. Uh, help us to understand, uh, Father, through the Holy Spirit, what it is you have for us, uh, what we are to to take from this today, Lord, uh, in our lives. And uh, Father, we just um, uh, just pray, Lord, for for softened hearts and and just uh, just open ears, Lord, uh, that we would. Um, uh, share your word together. We just pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. So, so in Matthew, uh, as we just read, Jesus enters the temple on Monday, but Matthew records the event just after the triumphal entry. So, if you if you back up and read just prior to that, it's him coming into Jerusalem. But Mark, if you look at Mark eleven, eleven and fifteen to seventeen, so flip over to Mark. The sound of pages turning is awesome. So Mark eleven eleven and he entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And fifteen through seventeen and then Mark goes into and then they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house should be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you've made it a den of robbers. So if you look at uh, Matthew's account, Matthew tends to list those things of Holy Week topically, so by topic. Where Mark chronologically lays out exactly what's going on. So if you If you just look at Matthew, it looks like he rode into Jerusalem he went into the temple and he cleaned house. but that's not what that's Mark explains that he came in it was late he looked around, he saw what was going on. He went to Bethany and uh spent the night there so uh Bethany is uh in uh, John twelve one through three if you flip over to John twelve one through three Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of the reclining at the table with him. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, I'm going to go ahead and read, One of his disciples, uh, he was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having a charge of money, in charge of the money bag he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone for that she may keep in, keep it for the day of my burial for the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. So, Jesus comes in, he looks around, he sees what's going on in the temple. They go to Lazarus' house, uh, Mary and Martha. It's about two miles away, so it's, it's not that far. Um, so that's where they're at. And then John records that beautiful picture of her anointing Jesus. Um, but this all takes place as they come into Jerusalem at the start of Holy Week. If you look at, well, should have stayed, John 2, look at John 2, 13 through 17. I think it's important that, um, if I turn to the right pace. So this is, this is a a time where Jesus cleanses the temple but it's a different time uh, some people try to claim that, that this is the same event but John records this very early in Jesus' ministry that, uh, that it, it happened actually at the start of his ministry but it's very sim- it's similar but there are some differences the Passover of uh, the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there he made a whip of cords and drove them out, or drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body, when therefore he was raised from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the Scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So so John records a similar event at the early start of Jesus' ministry. And this first instance of Jesus clearing the temple when he starts his ministry is basically a warning to the Jewish leaders. I have arrived. I am here. I'm the Messiah, and I'm starting. I'm starting off my ministry. I'm cleaning out the temple. Um, the second time that we read about in Matthew is Jesus's pronouncement of judgment on the on the uh, Jewish leaders. So think about the temple courtyard when we're looking at this passage. Um, it's a place where all the Selling of the animals for sacrifice and the Passover meals were sold, as well as the changing of foreign money to currency acceptable to the Jewish priests. It was Passover season. Jerusalem was swelled to capacity with worshipers from all over coming to celebrate. The population of Jerusalem was about twenty-five or 30,000 is what most scholars will tell you. But during Passover time, when all the worshipers and all the pilgrims are coming in, it's about 150,000 people. So think about um your little town around here just being inundated with people. So part of the reason Jesus stays in Bethany is it's it's pretty crowded. There's there's not a lot of room to stay anywhere. Um, but think about this scene um inside the courtyard with just swelled with people and all this going on. And it said since most people couldn't bring their sacrifices with them, so a lot of them traveled a long way, so they couldn't bring them with them, they had to purchase them on arrival. The merchants took advantage of this with animals going for as much as 10 times the normal rate. And uh, so since only Jewish currency was accepted, there was a 25% fee for changing what you had. Most of the people at the time were using Roman currency. Roman currency had... Caesar or the, the leader on the currency and he was to be worshipped as God, as a deity. So the Jews would not allow that. Now they the Jews accepted some coinage, um, which I didn't write down, but they did accept some coinage that was a little sketchy in that. But think about this though, you know, 25% rate um, to change your currency. So they're gouging you pretty good on that. Ten times the rate... To buy your dove or whatever it is you're you're purchasing for sacrifice. So, not only are they using the temple as a marketplace, they're they're using it as Jesus said as a den of robbers. They're actually stealing from people is what they're doing. Um, You know, people that know you know that we've been we were at China when when went to China when um, when we adopted Kai or Jason Kelly adopted Kai. You know, you walked in there <laughs> with your, with your U.S. currency and the guy changed your currency, you know, and, and you're like, I have no idea whether I got, cause I had no idea. I mean, you really, you didn't know. So they could have been, you know, and then if you went to a market, you just kind of held your money out and they took it, <laughs> you know, and it's like, so, so, you know, it was, it was very, very easy for them to take advantage of these people because I've traveled all this way. And I've got to have a sacrifice. I've got to have money. So I'm, you're pretty much, that's it. That's the only bank in town. I mean, that's really the only place you can go. So have you ever been to an open-air market? You can raise your hand, yes, or shake your head. Anywhere, but So the noise and confusion, along with the large crowd, had to make for a chaotic scene. But Jesus goes in... <laughs> that morning and he immediately begins to clean house so now you've got all these crowds you've got all this stuff going on now you've got birds flying around animals running around coins rolling across the courtyard all this stuff's going on so it's it's quite an a it's quite a a wild looking picture if you really picture in your mind what this looks like but notice what he does he does this without consulting the temple priests for permission jesus doesn't go to the priest and say hey this is not right. I'm going to go take care of this. Now he walks in and he starts taking care of it. So he exercises his authority as Messiah to take matters into his own hands because this is his house. It's not the priest's house. And um, you know, he's not of the, he's not of the line of Levi, of the priest. He's, he's not of that. But notice, and, and this is something that really struck me that I hadn't really thought about. He gets no resistance. You know, it doesn't record here that Jesus had to fight with these people to to clean them out. Now we'll see later, just after this passage, where the priest questioned his authority, and and Jesus, um, as he often does, when someone asks him a question, he asks them a question back. And um, Ligon Duncan, which is which is a, a pastor I enjoy reading and listening to. Uh, he made the comment one time, he said, notice how people will ask Jesus this question and Jesus will turn to them and say, let me ask you this question because I have a better question and your question stinks. Which is, that's a pretty much a quote. Um, so we will, we will see where they ask him this question. But he gets no resistance. Now, if you're a business owner, and you're doing your little thing in the market, and some guy comes over and flips your table over, and your money goes running everywhere, what's your reaction going to be? Is it going to be, oh, sorry, Jesus? Okay, yeah. That's kind of what happened. Um, a lot of these people knew who Jesus was. He had just come into the city. People crying, Hosanna. So it wasn't like they were totally unaware of of uh, Jesus, but if you think about the numbers of people, there's 150,000 some people here. There's probably some people here that really aren't familiar with who this guy is. There are a lot of them that believe he's a prophet or, or a good teacher. They, you know, some believe he's the Messiah, but not not everyone. So it shows his godly authority that he can go in there in this crowded temple courtyard and just clean house. And they all just back up and let it go. Let him do it. Um, that's a God thing. That's not. That's not in our human nature. You know, if if I got my booth set up and he comes over and starts turning my stuff over and turning my doves loose, no, I'm not going to be too happy with that. But that's not the way it goes. The priests don't come out and try to stop him either. So Jesus is basically showing us that the temple doesn't belong to Jews, but it belongs to God. The temple courtyard where all the commerce was taking place was the court of the Gentiles. And um, so all this is going on in the court of the Gentiles. And we talked about the temple several months ago, um, but basically you had the, the Jewish temple, but then you had the courtyard all around it, and that was the court of the Gentiles. So any Gentile or non-Jewish person could enter that court and they could worship the one true God there. Um, some of them, you know, were seekers, but they couldn't go into the temple because they weren't they weren't Jewish. That that was against the law. So they had to come into the, they could get this close, and but they couldn't go into the temple. But this was for them. This was the Gentiles' courtyard for them to worship. So think about. Think about right here. And this is your place to worship, to worship God. And let's bring a bunch of goats and pigeons and, you know, people. All this stuff going all this noise going on. It's how could you worship in, in that circumstance? So it hindered the Gentiles' ability to worship. Jesus came to make the temple one undivided sanctuary. Look at Ephesians 2. And we'll go to uh, eleven through twenty two. And we talked about this uh, several months ago or a year or so ago. <clears throat> so Ephesians two eleven through twenty two. It says therefore remember that at one time you were you Gentiles in the flesh call them circumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at were at one that time separated from Christ, alienated from the Commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, and thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. So the far off are the Gentiles. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So this is what Jesus came to do. He came to clean house. Really, that's what he came to do. He came to clean house and to bring us all together as one under him. So the Gentiles now, we're all Gentiles here, I think. We're all part of one family. In uh 21.13, he says, It's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Uh, den of robbers refers to Jeremiah 7.11. I'm not going to go there right now, but uh, basically that's quoting Jeremiah 7.11. Matthew, uh, it also refers to, in 21.13, 20, Isaiah 56.7, if you look at Isaiah 56-7, I know we're jumping around a lot today, but I think it's important. Um, there was a um, pretty well-respected pastor and author that uh, came out just recently um, kind of demeaning the Old Testament. And um, he said, part of our problem in churches today, retaining younger people, is our and I'm not going to quote him because I don't have that in front of me. But basically a part of our problem in churches today he said was that we dwell on the Old Testament instead of just the New Testament. Um, needless to say lots of very smart uh, intelligent pastors have uh, been raking him over the coals the last few days, but uh if we don't understand how this all ties together, then we're missing the mark because um, i I like the the little new Testaments that they hand out the gideons hand out those are those are great, but the older I get, the more i 'm concerned about that we 're just focusing on the new testament don 't forget this leads all leads up to Jesus. everything from the start of Genesis on is all about jesus so fifty six seven says. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Jesus is quoting that when he says that my house should be called a house of prayer. But remember, notice how it ends. We're in the Old Testament. It says for all peoples. So it's it's God's plan. It's been clear from the start that we're all part of his family you know he showed he showed holiness and how to be holy and how to keep the law through the jews but god was bringing us into this from the day from day one we were always part of the plan so in 14 it says and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them the priests were indignant. Now, indignant. If you look at what that word truly means um, in the Greek, is you know sometimes we think of indignant like you know no that this is this is extreme anger and indignation that they're showing here to Jesus. And it's partly because they believe in the the sick and the lame were being rightly punished for their sins. Remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago about you know if you if you had leprosy, it was because you were a sinner. If you were rich, it's because, you know, you were in God's favor. You know, that that was the thought process that that went through their minds. So blessings and curses or sickness were in their mind directly related to your sin or lack of in the eyes of God. But think about what we talked about a few passages ago, that uh, by the time Jesus came, hundreds of man-made laws had been added by the Pharisees In addition to what God's law says. So think about trying to keep that. So if your sin was causing you to be sick, there's no way to keep all these laws. So I'm surprised the whole lot of them weren't laying around sick or dead somewhere. You know, it's, so it doesn't, it doesn't add up to say your sin is making you sick. So that's what Christ has come to do to show us that healing is his spiritual healing can come but because I'm a sinner doesn't mean I mean I'm not sick because I'm a sinner. Matthew 21:15 says When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did and the children crying out in the temple hosanna to the son of david they were indignant and they said to him in 16 do you hear what these are saying and Jesus goes on so um, hosanna we talked about what that word means salvation um, earlier in in um, in the hebrew and the jewish history it was more of a cry of you know if you're drowning save us help me help me save us and then it came to change a little bit to mean say just salvation uh, it used to be save please or save now um in the Hebrews, ya," or Hosanna is what it really sounds like. Uh, but the children are crying out, Hosanna, and they're testifying. It's a declaration of Jesus' deity, of who he is. So in 16, they say to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And that's a that's a quote from uh, uh, <clears throat> Psalm uh, twenty one sixteen or no Psalm eight two if I can read right. So look at Psalm eight two. This is a beautiful psalm. I'm going to read the whole thing before we're done. So in A2, it says, Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Um, so. Jesus is quoting from this when he's when he's explaining to them, you know, out of the mouths of babes and infants. But eight, um, it's it's a fairly short psalm, but it's it's a beautiful psalm. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? There's a song there. I think I've sang before. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. You And also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So if you think the Old Testament doesn't matter, that's pointing right to Christ right there. So when Jesus quotes this passage, the significance of what he's saying is not going to be lost on the priests. The children were praising him as Messiah... That's something the priests were unable to see themselves. Jesus uses the weak to humble the strong. Um, Think how many times Jesus said, you must have faith as a child. Come to me as a child. Always that faith as a child that Jesus talks about. Did these children understand exactly what they were saying? I don't know that. I don't know that they understood that he truly was the Messiah, but they knew from what He's doing, He's healing the sick. He's healing the lame. He's doing these things. They see that. They see the power of Jesus. And they cry out, Hosanna. So after He quotes in Isaiah in 17, and leaving them, He went out of the city to Bethany, to the house of Lazarus, and lodged there. Um, a little word study on Him leaving them will lead you to understand, as I said earlier, that this cleansing of the temple was His pronouncement of judgment. In a little study of the words in the Greek, you'll find that not only did Jesus just leave them, He turned His back on them. That makes me emotional. Jesus turned His back on these people because they had rejected Him. Don't reject Him. Don't reject Him. There's... What I love about the Gospels is the harmony of the Gospels, how Mark lays out things and how Matthew lays out. Every one of them focuses on certain aspects of Jesus, certain aspects of of what he did, his ministry, and it's the harmony of the Gospels because when you put them all together, it's, it's a beautiful picture that one finds this thing that he wants to be sure we know. God wants him to tell us this thing. We talked about this morning. God puts in here what he wants us to hear, what he wants us to know. I struggle with passages in the Bible that stop, but I want to know what else happened. This encounter that Jesus had with this guy, what what happened after that? It's not important because God didn't put it in here. and If he wanted us to know, he'd have put it in here. So that's that's the human nature in me that wants to know the rest of the story sometimes, but we have the rest of the story. We have Jesus, and that is the story. So, to, so as an application, does your temple need cleaning? In our day to day lives, we can quickly get caught up in the hustle and bustle of the events around us and forget that we are to be at God's temple. Look at First Corinthians six, nineteen and twenty. That's the last one I'll make you turn to. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We are God's temple, and I think uh, everyone can admit today that there's stuff in there that needs to be cleaned out, and that's uh, um, where we need to to look to God, to, to Jesus, to do that. Let Jesus come in and clear out your heart. He wants a relationship with us that honors and glorifies Him. The more noise there is around us, the harder it is to truly worship. Once the the temple court was cleared, Gentiles could probably worship a lot better than all the stuff running around, all the noise. The Gentiles couldn't truly hear God's voice until He cleared that courtyard and he allowed an environment conducive to knowing Him. That's where we're at today. You know, I ask I ask you if if you're a believer, um, pray that God will come in and clean out your heart, create a clean heart in me, Lord, and a right spirit within me. That's the cry, and uh, and that's mine too. If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, as a cliche, it sounds like you don't know today's the day because you don't know if you're going to make it home. That's true. Um, you know, some of our, uh, I've worked 20 years as a firefighter and we've and got one that, what do you got, about 40 years now? something like that. Um, But we see that, we've seen, I've seen that going down the road, just, you know, I, I got an appointment to make and you don't get there. So. I'm not trying to scare you into salvation, but if Christ is truly calling to you, tugging at your heart, and you need to make some decision—whether it's I've already accepted Christ, but I got all this junk in here that I need to get cleaned out—and help me to do that, God—then um, that's that's your prayer today. Uh, but if it's but if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, I just I, I implore you to to come to Him. If He's pulling at you, don't keep resisting because the Pharisees heard from Jesus a number of times. They knew what He was doing. They knew what He claimed to be. They rejected Him and He turned His back on them and left them to die in their sin. Don't let that be you. Rod's going to come up. He's going to sing a song. Um, I'm going to stand up here a while. And if... Uh, if you have a decision to make, you don't have to come up here. You know, find one of us, talk to about us, talk to us about salvation, talk to us about whatever it is you want to talk about. Um, but don't delay. And um, at some point, if you're saved, you want to tell the world about it. You want to tell. You want to come up and tell everybody here. Because we are the family of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're to love and care for one another. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word. Um, Lord, I just thank you that we don't have to deal with all this junk in our lives, Lord, that you've already covered that on the cross. And uh, all we have to do is just give it away, Lord. Just get rid of it. Just clear it out. Clean it out. And uh, let us be filled with your love, with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and, uh, and a fire for you. And I just pray for those that are lost. I pray the gospel is clear to them, Lord, and that they understand it. And, Lord, I pray that as believers that we present it clearly and that we minister and disciple one another as you told us lord to go and make disciples not just go and tell the good news lord but to make disciples and we just pray that uh, that we will be faithful in that in jesus name amen